0: and welcome back to The Data Mind. Once again, I'm your host, Kaylee Garbazeski, analyst turned advisor committed to developing accurate and actionable insights. Today, we're super excited to be talking to Sadie St. Lawrence of Accenture and Women in Data about her experience as a woman in data and also her thoughts on building and developing an analytics strategy. This is The Data Mind. Welcome,
1: Sadie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of
0: course. Um, So Sadie, as I mentioned, is coming to us as an AI strategy consultant for the Accenture Applied Intelligence Unit, which just by the way, like coolest name in the (laughs) analytics space that I've heard so far, right? In addition to her work with Accenture though, I actually met her as she is the founder and executive director already of the Women in Data group, which is a nonprofit organization focused on increasing diversity in data careers, which is just wonderful and incredible and so awesome. Sadie brings a unique combination of technical expertise, analytics management experience, and an ability to lead organizational change through compassion and strategic problem solving. She's trained over 200,000 people in data science, and is an advocate for democratizing artificial intelligence and helping people transition into the fourth industrial revolution. So basically, she's a badass. Like I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the internet.
1: (laughs) I love all those things. I'm like, oh
0: yeah. I would love to start off with just hearing about your thoughts on analytic strategy and what you think the base considerations are for a successful design.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. A lot of people, I think probably my whole career, people have asked me, what does that mean when I tell them what I do? This role really is developed from the proliferation of data. And that is just as it's expanding and people are looking for how do I develop it and integrate it into my business. Um, you know, we've had roles such as like data science develop and data engineering, right? But we we've often found is that without the right strategy those people aren't fully able to do what they need to do and then it doesn't integrate back into the business so really my job is to come in and meet with business leaders and understand what are their business problems what's their business strategy and then how do I translate that into, you know, a data science problem or an analytics initiative that can be handed off to the technical team uh, to be able to develop. And so a lot of times I'm coming in when they've already tried to develop a product or develop some type of, you know, analytics insight and it's failed. And then they realize, oh, we need a strategy.
0: How do you approach that first? conversation you're coming in cold to an organization you don't really know where they're headed like what they have as a baseline in terms of their analytics infrastructure like where do you start um, and how do you approach it
1: yeah so probably before i go into the conversation the first thing i'm going to look at is just how do they get money right and then how do they lose money and i mean at the heart of it like you know, even I run a nonprofit, we still have to get money and spend money to stay alive. And so like prior to going into the conversation, I want to know just a bare minimum, how does your business model work today? And then when I come into the organization, I really want to understand, you know, one, what is the culture of the organization? um, So I can know like why they're seeing the results they're seeing today. But then also where do they feel that their challenges are? And then um, thirdly, where do they want to go and how do they want to change? So when I'm first coming in, I'm really coming in from a standpoint of learning. And like that's where my like data science side comes in, of like this pure curiosity. Like I will ask you way more questions than you'll probably feel comfortable with. Cause I'm just like, let's go further into that. Right. And so um, You know, I've been trained in ethnography, which is really just the process of, you know, asking questions and getting data from talking to people. And so really that's what that first step is, and it has to be at the executive level. We um, tried at different levels, and there's a good understanding um, of you know what some of the problems and issues are, but there's not that long strategic vision that comes at the executive level um, that you get these kind of answers from. And so, if you're looking to do this in your company, I would say you know start one with curiosity, remove your bias, and get as high up to the top to get into their head as possible. And the answer will probably come fairly easy to So I have a little secret to get into <laughs> getting on executive calendars. Usually what works well is just coming with a curiosity approach. So I actually even have what I call curiosity meetings, where I try and meet with someone new like once a month and just better understand what they do. And I've, I've only had probably over like 50 Curiosity meeting are sent out. Only two people have ever even not responded to me or just said they are available. And really, what the curiosity meeting is about is saying like, "Hey, I'm curious about what you do, where you're thinking the future is going, you know, how you got to where you're getting." And I'd really love to just pick your brain and have a better understanding of it. And people love it because one, they love to talk about themselves. <laughs> um, they love to talk about their ideas. And when you're coming in with, like, your agenda down and your kind of, your knives out, right, like, they're going to be more willing um, to have that and spend that time with you. So I think it really just comes down to, like, come in with an unbiased and curious approach, and most people will probably say yes.
0: Okay, cool. So you've gotten in, you've started to do the interview and discovery process. You know, you're thinking about, okay, what's what's getting these people up every day? Like, what's actually bothering them? Um, what do they feel like they don't know? What do they feel like they do know, but they can't really prove? Um, you know, so what, and where do you go from there? Well, one, I, of course, don't try
1: and tell everything with data, right? Like, there's sometimes I hear their problems, and I'm like, yeah, you're not at a point where you can start to utilize your data to fix this, or you're not at a point where you have other things that you need to do before you can turn your data into a stream. industry. And so I think first, again, removing your bias so that when you're coming in, like sometimes I'll recommend them to go talk to other people or you know or another agency to even better with their problems. So I think that speaks a lot of volume. Um, but then from there, once you understand it, you need to expand your kind of sample size, right? So maybe you talk, you've spoken to a couple of executives and now you need to bring in everybody together um, to really distill down what you're trying to solve for. And so I love to use design thinking. I think it's just such a great way to, I've always loved sticky notes, but just get people in a curious state and to, to play. And then it allows us to collaborate across enterprise so the best sessions are we have people um, from the top of the organization and then a diverse skill set involved um, in the process and you get just one so many more great ideas but you also get buy-in from the organization so a lot of people talk about how hard it is for culture to the analytics um, But when people are creating it themselves and creating it with others, there isn't so much of a buy-in. They want to see their idea manifested. And so it really helps with being able to bring people along for that journey.
0: The other thing that happens when you can get, when you can break those, uh, those barriers of, of the segregation of the levels and so forth is like all of a sudden something that, you know, may have existed for that executive when they were in that role 20 years ago, they're gonna get a new view of how that's operating today. And maybe just that fact is going to open up some new ideas on both sides of the spectrum. Um, so I love I love that you know design sort of workshop type approach to to sort of get those juices flowing, get everyone thinking in the same way. A
1: lot of times the executives will be like, this was amazing. Like I don't get an opportunity to talk to all of my staff and they want to, right? They want to be and it gives them also an opportunity to actually work together, which I think is just really beautiful.
0: Yeah, so one of the things that you mentioned before we got into like how you would dig further was that some problems right from the get-go you can identify like aren't gonna be solvable with data and then there are others that are. Is there any sort of approach that you would take to differentiating the two?
1: Yeah, so the first one is if it's not solvable, like if you don't have a system in place, right, that's backing, you know, kind of what your processes is, then, you know, you really don't have data, right? So that's one that I, first of all, look and see like, okay, well, what kind of system do you have in place? And, you know, kind of what's what's the uplift that we need to be happy to start to, um, start to harvest your data for value the second area is really where when you can use data is really when it comes down to you have some insights maybe about what's going on or you have some hypotheses I love it when people start with hypotheses and and that to be just signal something like yes we can test and we can optimize um, and those are there and then the third area where there's value gets talked about less, but when your data actually becomes an asset for you and becomes a revenue stream, and that that's a whole kind of redesign on your business model. Um, that's where it gets me really excited because um, that's really transitioning people from you know a brick and mortar store to really coming into the digital economy. So.
0: Yeah, 100%. So, okay, so basically we start out by asking the executives, all right, like, what, you know, where does the cookie crumble? What, what really, where are we going? What are the aims? And then from there, it's like, okay, well, which of these things can we actually address and, you know, through data and analytics, because some of them, either we don't have the infrastructure to stand that up on yet, or maybe it's just not even appropriate or worth the investment because... As much as we're data and analytics advocates, I would argue that there are sometimes that that's you know the case um and then we get everyone in a room we workshop we say like okay, cool, like here's what you think, here's what you think. How do you think that we would look into this what what aspect of that? what do you want to know more about et cetera et cetera now i've got a I've got like a list or like a bunch of post it notes or like some version of that in the maybe in the digital world, right Where do we go from there so pr- presumably we need to prioritize right, right. like facilitating that prioritization, uh, <laughs> making those calls without making people upset. I mean, I feel like this is where you're leading with compassion probably needs exactly. to shine quite a bit.
1: Yeah, um, I would say on um, the prioritization, I always have people vote right away, right? Just to kind of really see whether there's natural patterns of what people are falling towards. But especially when it comes to, any type of analytics or data science project, it's really important to also prioritize with the availability um, the, of the data, the quality of the data, um, because those are gonna factor in to how much level of effort going to it, right? So we're trying to optimize between Level of effort to do the initiative and then the outcome from it. So, a lot of times in the session, we can prioritize based on what would be the highest impact and highest outcome. And then, probably afterwards, we we'll go and get that list to the data engineers, the data scientists, and say, okay, grade each of these on you know, data quality, um, data availability, etc., And then we Combine those two priorities, and I think that's what makes it a little bit unique about you know design thinking for analytics. Is you can never leave the data out. You can have fabulous ideas, but at the end of the day, we need to move quick, and we need to see results.
0: As with anything in our world these days, during (laughs) our fourth technology industrial revolution here, right? so I'd be remiss to not, at this point in the conversation, ask you a little bit about your experience through this process as a woman in data, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, we I think it, ac- truly according to the data, the reality is that many of these rooms that we would be in when we're walking into executive team rooms or uh, senior leadership groups or boards would have been male dominant, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and then notwithstanding the engineering teams that we'd be interfacing with within each organization, um, both on the data and analytics side and potentially on the system side, which, you know, data obviously needs to come through with in terms of uh, collecting from that process. So how how's your experience been? Tell mm-hmm. us your thoughts.
1: Yeah, so I'll tell you one moment that really stands out. It was when I was switching from being a marketing analyst to being an analytics engineer. And so I was, I was working at the same company, but I was switching uh building. So I was moving into the IT building, right? And in the IT building, group, the attire was very much like jeans, t shirts, and some like Chuck Taylor's, right? And I'm like, I love to wear pink high heels. <laughs> And I remember, like, the first time I took my little box over to the other building, I was just like, should I change the way I dress? And I remember, like, that thought hit me, right? And it was just like, you know, not too. after, I was like, no, I can't change, like, who I am. I'm like, are you saying you don't like, you know, to wear your pink high heels? No, you enjoy that, and that is who you are, right? But it was that kind of suck that conscious thought that it's this question right or like I know I'm going to face an environment and I'm going to have to really know my values and know who I am so that I can see through this and so what I found is my experience hasn't been anything drastic um it's been what I would call you know smaller type of just and microaggressions and living in an environment that you know isn't made for you. I had a pleasure with Women in Data getting to work with Girl Scouts and they have their own innovation um, center for women. And it went into it and like, when the colors were different, there were soft things. Like I automatically just felt different. And until like, I experienced that world, they realized that like, oh, I'm living in a world that isn't for me. Right. And so what's happened is after six years of being in this industry, it just wears on you. And getting to the point now where I'm understanding why a lot of women leave the field because it's not drastic, but over time, it's hard to keep that face up where you're like, you know, where you have that vigor to keep going. And so what I've just had to find is like my own team of resources who are, like, in my corner to help, like, build me up and lift me up, and for me, what that's been is, one, a life coach, like, my coach always just kicks my butt, and I make sure I know who I am and going after that, so that's a big thing. Uh, my therapist who picks me up when I'm down and then actually having a team of legal advice too to are like hey is this right or wrong and Having people who can like you know you can go to to actually ask questions and so it's a journey but I that's what I've learned this far and it's like yeah I'm gonna get beat down but I have my, like, backup team when I sit in the corner that he's going to, like, give me water and, like, wipe, me, you know, wipe the sweat and wipe the blood off of me. So I'm making it through.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. I love that that thought that, you know, yeah, I can feel kind of lonely in this in this world, um, you know, even today as a, as a woman in data. But the reality is that, like, you're not. A, that's what the group Women in Data is actually there in part for, um, and B, like that you even if you are alone as you felt at the beginning of all of this, there are ways to go and build a support system for yourself, um, and it is kind of a choice of like your priorities of hey, do you do you feel like this is something that's important enough to you? Um, you know, visualizing information, helping you be really self-reflective as businesses and organizations um, in a meaningful way with this amazing new asset that we have at our fingertips, given where we are in our moment in time, you know, Um, and if you believe in that and 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 you feel like that's something that you can contribute to and that that's meaningful, um, then there are ways to, to build yourself up and, and have an impact. So I want to hear a little bit more about how you feel like Women in Data supports that process.
1: Women in Data is like, without it, it probably still wouldn't be here, right? Because um, I think there was a part of me that was more intuitive to knowing I would need it before I actually needed it. And, um, you know, I started Women in Data when I was getting my master's in data science. And... Really was just because, like, I was in a master's program with only one other female and um, one female teacher in my whole program, and so I just had like this feeling that, like, to get through this, I'm going to need a tribe of people, and that has continuously one just like inspired me, but also like made me feel really connected with knowing that, like. You're not alone. And there are other people out there doing this and showing up every day so it's not a continual outcome that hopefully you know our children will experience. Um, I was just talking to someone yesterday and saying, you know, it's it's funny running an organization where your big goal is that your organization is no longer needed. Like for me, success would be like, okay, women and data can retire, like. We got that problem down, you know, like no longer need it. So it's, it's exciting to see so many people come together with that same passion. Um, We're really just fighting for a better future and a more inclusive and compassionate work environment for all of us to be in.
0: Yeah, so I and I I love that you added in the word inclusive, right? Because I think that, you know, the reality, I have to be honest, like my career, while my career has definitely been male dominated. Like I don't I don't know if I was just too wasn't aware enough to realize any microaggressions, but like I I did have a solid number of years there where I even though I was in completely male settings, it didn't feel overly um it was okay. It was fine. Um that being said, as I've progressed in my career and have had other moments that were different than that, um, and have started to encounter other women who, you know, either have have already jumped ship or are thinking about it um, because they're they're just not comfortable and they sometimes they can't even name it. Sometimes they don't even really know know exactly what it is. Um, I'm realizing the importance of of um, representation, right? And, and representation that. Very senior levels, just by virtue of the fact that they're so visible, and I think that one of the things that has come up with kind of the current climate that we're in is that there has been movement towards making more of those seats available for for you know for diversity and I think what's really cool is that actually now there's a lot of stats coming out saying how important that diversity is of thought because it actually is leading and driving innovation in organizations. So that's really cool. It's like proving out the theory, which is awesome. Um, But the reality is, I feel like I've also heard a backlash saying like, oh, this is a token move, right? Like, oh, this is something that like they're just creating this position, but they're not actually gonna to listen to me. So I think that's where that inclusion comes in, right? Like a lot of people just roll the acronym off of their tongues, like, oh, D and I, and then they don't really think about the fact that like, the I is a separate initiative entirely than, than the D, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts on on that and what you've seen or what you would like to see um, that you think can move the needle on inclusion?
1: Yeah, so. I think it's a great call out, you know, what I think one is moving the needle on it is not so much focusing on the D. and what I mean by that is with diversity, I've seen a lot of companies come out and have diversity goals, right, and in that instance, you know, you can fill seats as much as you want, but you know, just like when I look at a company's business model, I want to see how many are churning, right? And so you may do be doing great efforts to get diverse people in and, and put on the shelf, but what I want to see is how many are you keeping there, right? And what is the culture that's being, you know, how do your employees feel about the overall culture that they're experiencing, right? And to me, that's really where the inclusion is because it shouldn't just be, you know, the minorities, or who you have your diversity goals with, that are saying this is a great culture for everyone, and I think really that's where inclusion is just goes beyond diversity. In the fact that it's not even a race thing; it's even a mindset, right? To allow people to show up as fully as themselves and know that they will not be treated differently, and they will be accepted and heard. Um, just as they are and like that to me is where the win is um, because that is how you know we just get to a more equal future um, in our workplaces
0: could not could not agree more I love that showing up as your as your whole self I mean it sounds really instagrammy frankly and like and you know (laughs) light it does you know like and and I don't sorry I didn't mean that to like downplay your, your you know, the authentic self has been—I um, don't know—has has been branded in a certain way. But the but but I think there's a lot to it. Where if people people feeling like they can speak up versus people feeling like they can't um, is ultimately, I think, the barrier to be broken. Um, not just for the sake of it, but because actually like that, that would really help in a lot of areas, you know? Um,
1: I think, you know, what I can say too about this, is you're not just affecting your, like you're just not affecting your minorities, you're affecting your overall culture and there's a strong tie towards innovation. And what I see, say, if your company is having problems with innovation, um, you probably have a culture issue. And why that is, is because innovation comes from a place of creativity. And to be creative, you have to be in a safe place. And if people do not feel that their views and opinions of who they are can show up and be that, you're not going to get any of that stuff. So, like that's one of the signs I always kind of look at is like, okay, what's what's coming out of this company that's innovative? Because at the core, humans are creative, but if you put them in an environment that suffocates that, um, you can't force it out of them. Like, that's the one thing I'm so I'm amazed every time by is in the wrong environment. Like, I can't give you enough, like, viewer stories or tickets to be creative. Like, it's just not gonna happen, right? <laughs> and so, like I think we need to think about it just like a little bit more broadly sometimes is it's more just, you know individuals and minorities it's about your overall culture um and it's going to affect your bottom line and it's going to affect whether you're an existence here in a couple years or not
0: so i i personally think that might be a good note to end on um but i would love to know if there's anything else you'd like to to add
1: um no i'm just excited to happy to be here and talk with everyone Um, you know, if there are anybody who's interested in joining Women in Data, you can just it's WomenInData.org. Um, we have membership that actually offers people um, free coaching, uh, free resources, um, so we're happy to offer that. And then I love to just stay connected with people. You know, you said an Instagram moment, and I thought that was so, I laughed because I was like, I love Instagram. <laughs> So yeah, I actually you do like a little tech talk every Tuesday. It it sounds like TikTok, but it's not TikTok. It's TikTok <laughs> on Tuesday. Yeah, so if you're interested in those, um, it
0: would be great to be connected. That sounds awesome. I didn't know about those, but I'm definitely going to tune in now to find out. Wow. And I do just have to say one additional thing, which is that... Um, you know, Instagram jokes aside and, you know, we've talked a lot about, no, really, we've talked a lot about creativity, design thinking, um, you know, one of the things that I think both of us, well, we didn't get into the definition of data science and so forth, but have focused on over the course of our varying careers is, is data visualization
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I, I really do think um no offense to anyone out there who's not visually oriented and in this space, but I do think that, you know, you, you kind of, you need some external um, influence and inspiration to kind of keep up that visual language, um, which is so powerful, you know, and fun, right? Like that's why I do it. I love it so so much. So, um, so anyway, so keep Instagramming basically.
1: (laughs) I'm glad, to, I'm
0: glad the data might have <laughs> um, Well, seriously, thank you so much, Sadie, for being here. I, I can't, you know, recommend strongly enough for you all to check out Women in Data. Um, again, that's womenindata.com or .org?org.org. .org. .org. Womenindata.org. Um, you know, the memberships, the membership options really are great. Um, it, you know, it had been a uh, meetup group that just took off all around the country. So there are chapters everywhere so you'll be able to connect with people no matter where you are in the country, um, and maybe even internationally because we do have international audiences. Yeah, it? so we
1: actually just opened up internationally this year and we're in 11 different countries in 30 different cities now, so. Yeah.
0: Amazing, I just love that. So so yeah, please check it out if you're interested. It's, it's an incredible resource and a great community. Um, and we're excited to stay in touch, Sadie.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.